Now, in your house, do you have a, like, a nativity set? Yeah? Hands up if you do. Yeah, some of... So uh, we've, over the years, we've done quite a bit with little nativity sets, everything from the, like the Playmobil ones. Um, my dear son-in-law actually had a Veggie Tales, uh, which is, I mean, that's just the epitome of cool, I think. Uh, when, 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 when our kids were young, when we would have Christmas morning, we would read Luke chapter 2, and we'd take all the nativity pieces out, and they would be like action figures, and so they do all those things, and so we talk about Herod, and we boo, and, and, the, and then the she- and it, would, it would just be super fun. Um, and so having a nativity set is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I hope you do. It's a great way to remember the Christmas story. And one of the things that we sometimes miss in the Christmas story, and this is what I want to talk together about over the next couple of weeks, is is we we see this nativity story. And today, by the way, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. So get your Bibles out. We're going to be looking at Joseph's story today. We're going to to go Joseph, then Mary, then the week after that is Christmas Eve. So obviously we're going to talk about Jesus. It's kind of like when you go to a really good concert, and you've got a couple of warm-up acts before the big act. Well, so, so in case you're wondering, why didn't you talk about Mary before Joseph? Well, it's because we're talking about Joseph, because he's the warm-up act for Mary, and Mary's the... Anyways, just so you're aware. But we're going to look at Joseph's story today, because the thing that we miss sometimes when, we are, when we're, we've got our little nativity sets out is they're just pretty. And they're clean. And there's no poop on the floor. And and yet, in the actual story, it was really messy, including poop on the floor. But even prior to that, like, it, it, it really felt like, for Mary and for Joseph, we just need to recognize this, it really felt like their, their lives were in significant turmoil. So when we, when we see the little story and we got the little... Action. You, can, you can do this at any age, by the way. Like, read the story and use the, use the nativity set as action figures. Yeah, Jerry, you totally can. I know you will. It's good. You can do all those things. Um, but I, I just want to take us into a bit of the, the pathos, a bit of the angst of what Joseph would have encountered as, as he was asked to do what God asked him to do. So let's take a, take a look together in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and then let's talk about it together, okay? This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, she was found to be, yeah, that's, that's right, She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Or the, the, um, the, the Hebraic word would be Yeshua or Joshua, which means the Lord saves. You're to name him Jesus 
because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. That's from Isaiah chapter seven, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife and he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, when we read these Bible stories and we see these characters and Joseph, or I mean, he probably feels familiar to everyone here, whether you have been in church for a short time or a long part of your life, whatever it would be. Uh, most of us know at least something about Mary and Joseph. But I mean, following God's instructions for Joseph, that was risky business. It was a dangerous thing. So let's take a look. So what did Joseph have at stake here? So he's, he's engaged to be married to Mary. And then he learns that Mary is pregnant. I find it interesting that the, 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 the fancy dream, the angelic dream, happens after he has learned the news. There, there's no like, Joseph, dream with Joseph, I want, you all to call, I want you to calm down. You sit down because tomorrow Mary's going to tell you something that's going to really rock your world. No, it is after his world has been thoroughly rocked <laughs> and is pretty much falling apart that Joseph is let in to the story. So what's at stake for Joseph? His reputation, exactly. Now, we may not think of like a premarital pregnancy as not super scandalous in today's world. It's still sin. Um, but it's not super scandalous anymore. But in Joseph's time, it would, it would have been a really big deal. And the, one of the things we see in there, um, well, let's put, up, let's put up verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, or some translations will put, he was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. Joseph was known publicly as a good guy, a faithful guy. He was a construction worker. So, he, he, I mean, so carpentry, probably also some stone work as well. But he was a good guy and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph was a good guy. And for Joseph, every part of his business, his reputation, his public status would be linked to this reputation. He is a good guy. Oh, you can do business with Joseph. He's a good guy. He's a trustworthy guy. He's a trustworthy guy. You know, most people like to think of themselves as a good person. Do you like to think of yourself as a good person? My, my hunch is you do. And if somebody comes and says, hey, you are not a good person, there's an aspect of your identity that feels like it's been you know, hurt or questioned. Then Andrew, he thinks he's a good guy, but he's not a good guy. Joseph was a good guy. He was a righteous man. He was faithful to the law. 
which means that if, if there was some public scandal, which this would have been, because biology worked the same way back then as it does now, and you would be just as um, incredulous if your daughter or your fiancé or somebody else said, well, it, uh, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. It's a, I don't know how this happened. It, like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You do. You know. You know how this happened. I realize there's that one case with the weird lizard. You are not a lizard. Okay? It's like, you know. Mm. And, and so, so, you know, he didn't believe it any more than you would. And he wanted to be known as a good person. And in Joseph's time, and this is where, like, our, our culture now, it is so similar in many ways to the first century. Because we just, like back then, there, there was a shame culture. And we also live in a shame culture. I mean, all these years later, we basically function the same way because when somebody does something that the general public believes is should not be done, nobody wants to associate with them anymore. Just think of all the people in the last couple of years who have gotten, quote unquote, canceled. Okay? So whether that is people who have been canceled on the, you know, by the left, uh, John Green, J.K. Rowling, Joe Rogan. And that's not meaning that I am endorsing any of those people necessarily. Keep your, keep your safeties on. Um, or those who got canceled essentially by the right. People like uh, Colin Kaepernick or Ellen DeGeneres. And again, I'm not endorsing anything, any of their, but uh, what I'm saying is we live in a shame culture too. And if someone, ha if the public has said that they're not, they used to be a good guy. Her show used to be so positive, but now I just know, or whatever it is. And, and now nobody wants to have anything, or at least for a period of time, nobody wants to have anything to do with them. And their career is ruined. Their business is ruined. It's the same thing. We, we, human nature has not changed. We, are, we, we easily gravitate to shame. Shame on you, Joseph. Shame on you. And so Joseph, who actually was a good guy, he starts looking for what is the, what would, what would a good guy do? Like, what is the way where I can get myself out of this situation? I can clear my name, but I also really do honestly care about Mary. I have no idea what, what caused, like, I am got so many questions but he, but he doesn't want to destroy her. He just wants to distance himself from her. So he, so he has in mind to divorce her quietly. So he doesn't want to make a big deal because she actually has, we'll get to this next week, she has more at stake than he does because in the most extreme of settings, which thing, and, and again, we live in a world where you go, oh, that would never happen. And then sometimes the extreme thing happens, right? The most extreme setting for Mary is, is she could be put to death for this. The, in the most extreme reaction possible. He doesn't want that for her. He, I think he, he genuinely, he doesn't know what's going on for her. He's not been let in on the story. And it, I think it's so interesting, even it says that, um, that, uh, that she was found to be pregnant. She was found to be pregnant. So it doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us whether she talked to him or not. He just discovered it. 
So maybe he learned it from her. Maybe he learned it through the grapevine. But oh man, was his world rocked. And then verse 20 says, after he had considered this. Have you ever had a night like that where, you know, you, you have just received really hard news? How well do you sleep? Not me neither. And we can assume that Joseph was having a pretty restless night. And it was there in the midst of the stress. Again, I don't, I don't know why God didn't just spare Joseph at least some of the stress. By Joseph, get ready. Tomorrow you're going to hear something that's going to blow your mind, but I'm in it. He lets Joseph go to that place of worry, of uncertainty, and of fear. And, and this is one of the hard parts about following the Lord is sometimes he allows us to go there. And I think there's a reason behind it. Sometimes when our world has been rocked, when we don't know the answers, when we don't know what's happening next, when we don't know what to do, those are the times and the placing, placing, places where we're most open. I know that's true for me. It's when I'm at the end of my rope and I realize I don't know what to do next. They don't have the answers, and the stuff I did in the past that seemed to get me through, okay, it's not working anymore. That's when we're most open. And Joseph, in what we can only imagine, was a very, very restless night, had a very impactful dream. So let's pick things up. There, verse 20, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream and said, Joseph, son of David, and I, I underlined this phrase, do, say it with me, not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And amazingly enough, Joseph obeys, and he follows. And, and, and well, and the story continues on, and we'll pick, pick some of those things up next week. But I want to just pause there with this, with, like, has God ever, like when God tells you to do something weird, how, how do you know it's from the Lord? Has anybody here ever had a really, like really profound dream where you thought, oh, I think God might be speaking to me in this dream? I'm not going to like necessarily make you share it. Don't worry. I'm, I'm just looking to see if, if, if I've had maybe about three in my life where I just went, okay, I have no explanation for this, but Lord, you got my attention. Anybody had, had a dream like that? Yeah, you, yeah, a few. Okay, I, don't worry. I'm not going to make you share it. You're okay. But when, so when you have a really weird dream, like, okay, you're ringing my bell, Lord. 
is, are, you are you trying to tell me something? H how do we know? How do you know? How do you know? So let's talk about how, about how you know. When, when, when we're feeling led to do something that, we, and we can't figure out, is this, is this my idea? Is this just, is this, is this like a funny piece of pizza that's kind of processing in my body? Or, you know, like, you know, what, what did I have to drink before I went to bed? Like, like, I mean, you're trying to figure this out. Like, so what's going on here? Like, there, there, are, there is some, there are some biblical ways that we can kind of work through this. So one of, the, one of the first grids as believers that we go through is, is this scriptural? Like, is, is, does, is this in the Bible somewhere? What does God's word say? Or the way that we like to put it here is, where is it written? Where is it written? So this thing that, that Joseph is being asked to do, go marry Mary. I realize this looks very strange to you, Joseph, but I want you to marry Mary, I want you to trust her story. I realize this hasn't happened before, but I want you to trust her story. Now, has God ever told people to marry somebody even though it's going to cost them their reputation in some way? Yeah, there is. Yeah, remember we studied him in Hosea? And it, there, there's, this, there's some scriptural precedent there. Is it sin to marry someone who's got a reputation? No. Now, it is generally unwise to marry someone whose life is heading in a very different direction than your own, but it's not sin. So we, we look at it scripturally. The other, other place we turn is we turn to the Christian community at, at large. So we talk to Christian friends. Hey, here's something I'm thinking about. What do you think? We work through some of those ideas together. We look at the church, uh, the, the, the council of the church globally, especially when we're looking at really dicey scriptural issues, because all of us, we have a cultural frame that we see things through. So like, for example, I, I'm a middle-aged, middle-class American white guy, and there's nothing wrong with being any of those things, but it means that there's a frame that I kind of see the world through, which means I actually need other believers who have other frame sets to see this issue more broadly. So I need believers of color. I need people, I need, I need Christian godly women in my life. I need people of, of different economic classes. I need people of, from different um, like geographic and cultural backgrounds. I need people from different points in history. What did people 300 years ago say about this? What did people 600, 700 years ago say about this? We turn to the council of the church globally all so that we don't get just misguided by our own teensy-weensy little frame, as legitimate as your frame is. There's nothing wrong with being who you are. But, just, but our frames, our frames are small. And, and by turning to the broader council of the church, other believers around us and other believers who have gone before us, that we start to see a broader picture. And so what God was telling Joseph to do, it, it wasn't sin. It was just really, really difficult. When you feel God's nudge to do something difficult, what holds you back? I know it holds me back. Let's just talk. 
It's just, it's, it's just, it's just us and I don't know a whole bunch of people on the internet, but you're, we're good. Um, fear, bingo, bingo, bingo. That's right. Fear, fear, fear. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I'll tell you. Of the unknown, right. What are people going to say? That's right, Marsha. Politicians. You're afraid of politicians. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Just, let's just, we're going to hold tight this next year, okay? <laughs> just, I have a feeling, I'm not convinced that 2024 is going to be smoother sailing than 2023. Okay, guys, just strap in, open your Bibles, and keep, cling tightly to Jesus, okay? We're about to go on a on crazy train ride this next year. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> fear. <laughs> Back to fear. Back to fear, okay? Back to fear. What are you afraid of? Death. How about, are you afraid of change? Oh, yeah. I don't like change neither, no. I know. I like doing what I've already done. And yet so often, actually every time God calls us to do something, fear, fear, fear of the unknown, fear of change, fear of being wrong, fear of what your friends would say, fear of everything gets in the way, right? And so isn't it interesting that the angel tells Joseph actually the same thing that every angel tells just about every single person that an angel ever talks to in the Bible. Joseph, don't be afraid. And friends, I think that's one of the things that we can, we can hear and apply in our life today. Because, you know, God has, God has a call on your life. Now, it, it may not be to do what, what he called Joseph to do. It doesn't, you don't necessarily need to marry Mary. If, if you're married to somebody named Mary, stay married, please. But um, you're, it may not call you to, to a, a marital risk, but he's called you to something. The act of compassion, a difficult conversation, to break a bad habit, to start something new. I find it interesting when you're talking to um, younger folks, like I, that oftentimes there, there are larger ask, um, aspects of trusting God has to do with sexuality. Like, and do I really believe that God has my best interests in mind? And so I'm going to try to trust him relationally. And as we get older, usually it comes down to things like money. Am I going to really trust God and be generous because I don't know what's going to happen if I give? And we don't. And it's scary. And so the angel says to Joseph, and I believe by the Holy Spirit, says to you today in whatever area in your life God is calling you to take that step of faith, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Anybody else want to share, like, what, what's something you're afraid of? Failure. Failure. Oh, yeah. Me too. Mayo, something you're afraid of? Not being good enough. 
not being good enough. Yeah. Which often turns into those what will people say? And, and like, I mean, we, we, depending on how, where we lean politically, we may feel good or bad about the people that get canceled. But none of us, like, if you think, what if I got canceled? Like, what if, what if that was what, what the public reputation is? The, the, he's not good enough. She's not good enough. He's a fraud. She's a fraud. We're all frauds, right? But all the ickiness gets uncovered and the worst case scenario for every possible way that your words or actions could be understood. And the Spirit says to us, to you, to me, I believe today, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lord, so I want to lead us actually in a, a little bit of time of prayer. And uh, dear media team, they've already put the, put the kind of the prayer up on the screen. Thank you. Um, would you just take a moment just to bow your heads and let's just seek the Spirit together. There are things that, that God has placed on your heart. Maybe, it's a, maybe it was something that appeared in a dream dream. Maybe it was something that, that you've just been thinking about for a while and you feel the Spirit's nudge. And God says to you today by the Spirit, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I understand that you're afraid. I don't condemn you for your fear, but I want you to know that I'm here and it's, and I'm going to be with you in this. Do not be afraid. And so if, if you can, even under your breath, if you can name your fear, you know, Lord, as I think about the situation, this is what makes me, this is, this is what I'm nervous about. Would you just whisper that to him, God? As I think about that, I'm afraid of, and then you start filling in the blank in prayer. I'm afraid of what the people around me will think. I'm afraid of being a failure. I'm afraid of rejection. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So Wendy's telling a bit of a story about how she felt like there's time in their life where she just wasn't good enough. And if you resonate with that, just take a moment, just talk to God about that. Lord, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. I fear not being adequate for the task. 
And I just didn't, and then I, I just want us to have maybe, maybe about 30 seconds of just silence and just allow the Spirit to speak to you about your fear, whatever that would be. So Lord, we give it to you and we invite you to speak to us.